and welcome to Wayward Witch, a pagan podcast. My name is Miranda, and I'll be guiding you along this journey to explore non-denominational witchcraft for the modern practitioner every Tuesday. You can find us on your preferred podcast provider, or by following the links on Twitter at WayWitchCast, or on Facebook and Instagram at WayWitchPodcast. Feel free to reach out for questions, concerns, or even just to chit-chat, as I do love to hear from all of you. Let's walk this path together. I'm going to begin this episode with something you may have heard before. On June 1st, 2005, physicist Aaron Freeman spoke on NPR about planning your funeral. What he said is as follows. You want a physicist to speak at your funeral. You want the physicist to talk to your grieving family about the conservation of energy, so they will understand that your energy has not died. You want the physicist to remind your sobbing mother about the law of thermodynamics, that no energy gets created in the universe and none is destroyed. You want your mother to know that all of your energy, every vibration, every BTU of heat, every wave of every particle that was her beloved child remains with her in this world. You want the physicist to tell your weeping father that amid energies of the cosmos, you gave as good as you got. And at one point, you'd hope the physicist would step down from the pulpit and walk to your broken-hearted spouse there in that pew and tell him that all the photons that ever bounced off your face, all the particles whose paths were interrupted by your smile, by the touch of your hair, hundreds of trillions of particles, have raced off like children, their ways forever changed by you. And as your widow rocks in the arms of a loving family member, may the, phys- may the physicist let her know that all the photons that bounced from you were gathered in the particle detectors that are her eyes, that these photons created within her constellations of electromagnetically charged neurons whose energy will go on forever. And the physicist will remind the congregation of how much all of our energy is given off as heat. There may be a few fanning themselves with their programs as he says it, And he will tell them that the warmth that flowed through you in life is still there, still part of all that we are, even as we who mourn continue to heat, continue the heat of our own lives. And you want the physicist to explain to those that loved you that they need not have faith. Indeed, they should not have faith. Let them know that they can measure, that scientists have measured precisely the conservation of energy and found it accurate verifiable, and consistent across space and time. You can hope your family will examine the evidence and satisfy themselves that the science is sound and that they'll be comforted to know that your energy is still around. According to the law of conservation of energy, not a bit of you is gone. You're just less orderly. Amen. A great friend in Pantheus shared that wisdom with me a few short years ago. And in her honor and memory today, I'd like to share with you the beliefs of pantheism. The dictionary defines this belief as a doctrine which identifies God with the universe or regards the universe as a manifestation of God. In application, sometimes this can mean that it's a form of faith and being 
that is without divinity, while also believing that everything in the universe is divine. You could say that all is God, and God is all. For me, the most interesting aspect of pantheism is that it is both a faith with means of worship and practice, as well as a philosophy that's been held by people and cultures long before the modern era as we know it. According to a scholastic article from the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, many of the world's religions, traditions, and spiritual writings are marked by pantheistic ideas and feelings. This is particularly so, for example, in Hinduism of the Advaita Vedanta school, and in some very varieties of Kabbalistic Judaism, in Celtic spirituality, and in Sufi mysticism. Its first possible mentioning comes from the writing of the Irish freethinker John Toland in 1705, and constructed from the Greek roots pan, meaning all, and theos, meaning God. According to the World Pantheist Movement's website, pantheism.net, he published his first and most famous work, Christianity Not Mysterious, an outspoken attack on the trappings of images, garments, altars, fasts, rites, and priestly ranks that has been added to the simple doctrine of the Gospels since Jesus' time. While this book was originally published anonymously, after it had garnered some success, Toland decided to sort of come out as the author, which condemned him to the margins of British society for the rest of his days. You may be wondering how paganism, which is mostly considered a polytheistic ideology that's rooted in the worship of ancient deities, fits in with the faith and philosophy of pantheism. I get it. I was confused at first, too, when my friend and I started discussing the topic. The way that it has been explained to me is that while those of us who are polytheistic see the divinity is in all things, pantheism sees the divine as all things. For naturalistic paganism, or pantheist pagans, the pagan gods and rituals are not taken literally, but as a symbolic expression of a reverential attitude to nature, while magic is kind of a therapy or soul work rather than a supernatural way of controlling natural events. A Reddit user by the name of John of Jesus Green, um, apologies there, <laughs> seemed to put it perfectly for me, stating, quote, The universe, or the supreme all, or totality of the divine, which are all one and the same being, is all-encompassing. And for that reason, reason, its power is unlimited and deserves the most reverence of all. That said, while the universe can provide anything, if I want to have a conversation with my buddy Jim, do I call up the universe on speed dial, or do I call a little tiny part of it called Jim? Deities found within the infinite whole are something like that. Just as we are not truly separate from nature or the divine or the universe, and, the only, and only believe we are because of our egos, the deities of the polytheistic faiths are not truly entirely separate from each other, but they can act as markers for specific nodes of information, specific styles of practice, and themes of archetypes within the grand whole. In other words, just as I am both an individual me and part of the universal whole, there is a universal whole divinity and individuation of that of it that take on different personalities and serve you even better if it so happens your specific need is what that particular one deals in.
end quote. I'm not going to be I'm not going to claim to be an expert on pantheism, but I know that in my friend's case, the occult wasn't the cornerstone of her faith, but she still incorporated magic into her life. While not all pantheists incorporate the occult into their practice, I do know that she incorporated elements of celestial magic and was my go-to gal for astrological birth charts. Personally, I believe that if we can be one with the universe, why can't we also harness the ability to tap into the mysticism that it has to offer? There's a significant amount of history and philosophy regarding pantheism, and if you'd like to dig further, I'll post some links for resources on our social media after this episode. Today's Mythology Minute is provided by Druidry.org. He's a popular one in Celtic mythology and my personal favorite god of the pantheon. God of the Wild Hunt, Cernunnos. Cernunnos, a nature and fertility god, has appeared in a multitude of forms and made himself known by many names to nearly every culture throughout time. He is perhaps best known to us now in his Celtic aspects of the untamed horned god of the animals and in the leaf-covered green man guardian of the green world, but he is much older. Cernunnos worked his magic when the first humans were becoming. Our prehistoric ancestors knew him as a shape-shifting shamanic god of the hunt. He is painted in caves and carved everywhere, on cliffs, stones, even in the earth herself. Humans sought to commune with him and receive his power and that of his animal children by dressing themselves in skins and skulls, adorning themselves with feathers and bones, by dancing his dance. Yet he is older still. In the time of the dinosaurs, the great swamps and subtropical forests of cycads, seed ferns, and conifers, and later in the time of the deciduous plants and flowers, even when the pollinators came and the first tiny mammals were creeping up from beneath the ground, Cernunnos was the difference and diversity of life, the frenzy and ferment of evolution. But he is much older still. He is the oldest of the ancient ones, firstborn of the goddess. At the time of the first earth, Cernunnos grew in the womb of the all-mother Anu, waiting to be born, to come forth to initiate the everlasting, unbroken cycle of life. For offerings, you can offer coins, particularly valuable ones since he's a god of wealth and finances. He'll pay you back with interest. Oak leaves and pine cones are great as well since he is associated with the woods. Antlers are good for obvious reasons. You can plant a tree in his honor as well or dedicate one that's already planted in his honor. He also really enjoys energy offerings in the form of sex and pleasure, seeing as he's a god of fertility and carnal desires. Cernunnos is a hunter also, so venison, rabbit, some kind of game birds, etc. are all really good to give. It's best done with outdoor shrines, as it may feed the local wildlife as extensions of Cernunnos. Please be mindful when doing that so that you aren't planting so that you aren't plating anything that could cause harm. So pass on the bread, witchlings. Hunting weapons, animal pelts, and bones make wonderful offerings as well. These pelts can even double as an altar cloth. 
For dedication works, you can aid in conservation efforts by helping with or hosting a cleanup of your local parks and other wildlife areas. You can go hunting, fishing, and gathering for offerings to Sardanus or for placements on your altar in his honor. Volunteering for animal sanctuaries is another wonderful thing you can do to honor him. For further information on Cernonos, I'll be posting an infographic on Instagram about him, and I'll be providing links on our Facebook page for you to dig deeper if you so choose. Last week, my wonderful sister Anna decided to open a group on Facebook for anyone interested in learning from one another in a safe, supportive atmosphere in relation to this podcast. If you'd like to join in on the conversations, meme sharing, and resources, feel free to come hang out with us in the Witch's Brew. You can find it on the Wayward Witch Facebook page simply by selecting the group tab. I also really want to thank all of you for the love and support you've been offering during these last few days. It's been a rough one. I want to remind all of you listening right now that you are loved so very much by so many in your lives. And I love you too. The world can be a terrible place sometimes. And a lot of us succumb to the negativity that seems to permeate everything. But I want everyone listening right now to know that there is always a way out. Be kind to to one another, guys. Kindness and love are the two most powerful elements in this world. And there is no limit to their usage. But most of all, witchlings, never forget, be kind, be brave, be unstoppable. See you next time.